0: Hi, my name is Paul Malin. Welcome to the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation. Throughout this series of podcasts, we will consider the beginning, the middle, and the end of a tax investigation. During the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation, we'll cover topics such as answering the initial challenge by HMRC, how to work out penalties, and then how to make a disclosure to HMRC. You can contact me for further clarification Either on O seven nine seven nine three one three zero one zero or my email address Paul at PMC tax. Thank you for listening. In this podcast I'd like to discuss the opening meeting. Now, it doesn't really matter who the taxpayer is, how much money is at stake, what year it relates to, whatever. It's the principle, if you will, of the opening meeting. If the matter is revolving around tax fraud, there may have been a letter from HMRC and their department called the Fraud Investigation Service. They may have enclosed a booklet called Code of Practice 9, Cases of Suspected Serious Fraud. And then they invite the taxpayer and their agent to a meeting it doesn't really matter what trade or profession you're in this particular brown envelope is most unwelcome you don't necessarily know what hmrc are accusing you of as an agent it's often the case i don't know what hmrc have got in mind for the client and it may be something or nothing But unfortunately, in my experience of many, many years now, HMRC rarely get it wrong. They sometimes do go on a, what I call, fishing exercise. In other words, just to gather some general information. But that is few and far between, maybe once a year on all the cases that I handle. So if there's an opening meeting, a bit of preparation, I would suggest, is needed. First question I'm often asked is, do I have to attend the meeting? Simple answer is no. HMRC can't arrest you, because if it's Code of Practice 9, tax fraud, then it's a civil matter, not criminal. So HMRC have no powers of arrest, so they can't frog march you to the police station and force you to go through the meeting. And HMRC will, at the start of the meeting, saying that this is a voluntary meeting and you can leave at any time. That said, in 2023 HMRC amended the rules to say that in the case of tax fraud if a taxpayer chooses not to attend then they will take a serious view of that and consider whether or not the taxpayer is refusing also to cooperate. So it shouldn't be turned down lightly. HMRC consider the penalty section, as I've discussed in the previous podcast, on the facts. The more, as HMRC put it, you help, tell and give HMRC, not only the quicker the matter is resolved, but the lower the penalty. So at the opening meeting, it should be a consideration that anything and everything is up for discussion. That is not the same as saying you can talk about any matter. You only have to talk about the relevant matters as far as HMRC is concerned. Opening meetings can be long. I define long as being three hours. I define very long as being six hours. I have been in meetings that have gone over more than six hours but that's before HMRC had to adhere to the Human Rights Act. So oddly you might think in an opening meeting with HMRC they will offer tea, coffee, water etc, food after about three hours, But they also ask the question, right at the end of the meeting, do you feel your human rights have been abused? Now with such a tense meeting having happened, that's gone on perhaps for three hours or whatever, that is the most odd question to be asked right at the end. And a lot of taxpayers will just laugh and they will will jokingly say that, yes, I do feel I've been abused, but it's not in any sort of physical abuse or mental abuse. Here we're talking about abuses under the Human Rights Act. So it's an odd one, but something to bear in mind. A key form of preparation, I would say, for any taxpayer about to go into an opening meeting where it's code of practice nine. Make sure you have a good night's sleep beforehand as possible, although I accept it's like to be keeping you awake a little bit with the unknown, etc. Make sure you have breakfast. There's nothing more off putting to listen to somebody's stomach gurgling away during a meeting. It's not always nerves. A lot of taxpayers don't always appreciate the fact the most nervous person in the room in an opening meeting for the first half an hour or so is actually HMRC and that nervousness is often showed by their shaking hands or whatever. It's not the taxpayer, it's not me. This is because HMRC in the first half an hour, 40 minutes have to go through a set number of procedures to go and put the taxpayer's position clearly on the table. And if they get it wrong, then it prevents them from taking some action further down the line against the taxpayer. So the pressure is on HMRC the first 30 to 40 minutes to get the opening statements done correctly it does start with often the most simplest of questions can you confirm your name please and some taxpayers might think that is odd too there has been an occasion where somebody else has stood in for the taxpayer they've impersonated them Bizarre, but true. And that is why HMRC have now changed the way that they ask the questions. But as part of that preparation, you need to consider who it is from HMRC that's turning up. You may not know them by name or what sort of background that they've got or whatever, but I have had on occasion where the group leaders turned up and there's been six people there or other such numbers If there's any more than two, I would suggest that that is unusual, any more than two people from HMRC's point of view. One is there to ask the question, the other there uh, simply to take the notes. The questions, interestingly enough, are already uh, typed up, and each person from HMRC will have pages and pages of these questions. Each one will have I don't know, perhaps a ring binder in which the questions are put. And some might find it odd that at the same point in the meeting, you see both people from HMRC turning the page over together. And that's simply because one of them is asking the question and the other is writing down the answer. And they will change roles part way through, just to keep each other at rest. Or it might be that one of the people from HMRC is more experienced in direct taxes and the other is experienced in indirect taxes. It just depends. These meetings can go on, as I've said before. So in terms of comfort breaks, if it's anticipated to go on, the meeting to go on for say three or four hours, there is no harm in offering what I term to be a light sandwich lunch simple sandwiches, they're vegetarian, be careful and all that sort of thing. But you don't want to necessarily uh, either starve yourself, starve your brain or go over the top with providing a fantastic lunch for everybody um, because HMRC are there to do a job, they want to get in and get out. The venue of the opening meeting is also important. The taxpayer needs to be, feel comfortable in my opinion. Therefore, to have the meeting at HMRC's offices is probably not the best idea. Neither is it necessarily a good idea to have the meeting at the taxpayer's home or the taxpayer's business, because HMRC may also ask further questions. So the most neutral of places can either be the agent's own offices or hire a hotel room, a Regis room, whichever. And keep it on a very business footing. Opening meetings as I said before can go on. I have never in my career experienced where a meeting is stopped on one day and recommenced another day because it's gone on so long. I'm sure it can happen and it may happen on my next job for all I know but it doesn't go on normally that long. It is to be considered what HMRC are wanting to understand. So if the investigation of the irregularity concerns a business and it's perhaps a manufacturing business, consideration might be given to the fact that the opening meeting at the business premises. If it's important or quicker to demonstrate the process the business does and how the, the irregularity fits into what the business process is. But if the irregularity is, for example, undeclared rental income of a personal nature, then to have the matter at the business premises to show them how you manufacture widgets is actually incorrect in my opinion. But it's wherever the taxpayer feels comfortable. The conduct of the meeting, well, it's to be kept polite, it's to be kept businesslike. There are occasions where things are said poorly, badly, whichever the word is and the other person can take offence to what's been said because it's been said clumsily. That is to be avoided at all costs. I have had an occasion where there was almost a fight because the taxpayer took exception to what the inspector said rather clumsily. Some of the facts were correct, it was just expressed totally inappropriately. And the taxpayer took offence. Taxpayers often ask me, Well, can I record the meeting? HMRC will allow recording of the meeting to take place and they will ask the question right at the start of the meeting and expect to be given an honest answer. I am sure there will be some taxpayers who will want to put it on their iPhone, on their recorder, or whatever it may be, but there's no point in doing that. The notes of meeting that HMRC themselves prepare are there simply to give a fair reflection of what was said, not a verbatim reflection of what was said. And they are offered to the taxpayer and their agent to go through and make sure that they're happy with those notes of meeting. So there's nothing underhand from either side, either it's been recorded or it's not. If anybody wants to discuss any of the matters raised today, my name is Paul Malin, Paul Malin Consultancy, telephone number 07979-313-010 or paul at pmc.tax. Thank you. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, my telephone number is 7979 313 010, or contact me by email at paul at PMC dot tax thank you for listening